Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. beginning in the first chapter was the sixth verse. When the apostles met together with Jesus, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time give the kingdom back to Israel? Jesus said to them, the time and occasions are set by my Father's own authority, and it is not for you to know when they will be. But you will be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into heaven as they watched him, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They still had their eyes fixed on the sky as he went away, when two men dressed in white suddenly stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking up at the sky? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you saw him go to heaven. Lord, help us to understand here again is one telling us about a way to live. So the disciples asked the Lord Jesus Christ a question when they were standing there with him and with all the flags flying and all the expectations and all their feelings just at its peak. Are you going to restore this to time? when God's kingdom, in effect, is going to be placed here upon the face of the earth. And Jesus didn't exactly answer their question straight forth, and in a sense he did. He said something to them about the time. It's not for you to worry about that. That is locked up with the Father, and in his own good time that will happen. But in a sense, Jesus told the disciples how that they could go about restoring the kingdom of God here upon the face of the earth. You know, these disciples, I can appreciate them so very much because it's just a human reaction when you're in a good place and everything is going wonderful and everything is fine and everything is beautiful and your expectation is just soaring like the eagle. Here's the place where you want to stay. And this is exactly what was happening with the disciples. They wanted to stay in this place. In fact, there's another place you remember as Peter spoke for the group and said, well, let's build us a house here. Uh, three of them, one for the prophet that's going to return and, and one for the Lord and one for ourselves. We'll just stay in this place. But there's always someone, somewhere, somehow, some way, something or someone to shock us back to reality and call us back to Jerusalem. Let's get down uh, where the work really is and where men live, work, and die. And where... In the process of living, we work out our destiny here upon the face of this earth. And so we come back to this place where this happens. Now, if we want to listen to those who are around about us tell us that there are two opposing forces within this world of ours, and the world happens to be their battleground, and the forces of good and evil. And if we wanted to listen to those who would counsel us that seem to be in the know, uh, that take their lead uh, from the Old Testament and every prophet that lived of long ago, like uh, this one that we know as Sosianitsyn, the one that who has been expelled from communist Russia 
has reduced our world problem to the forces of good and evil. My, how like uh, Amos of long ago, he comes to tell us that it's not a matter of uh, good men in the world uh, just uh, committing sins every once in a while, but it is a matter of good and evil gathering their powers, and evil is gathering its power and force uh, to rule this world in which we live. And dear friends, when you stop to think about it, then we know that this world of ours has grown so small that it's unbelievable. I think today it takes about four hours to go from New York to London, England. And back in just uh, not too many years ago, it used to take a man all day to go from Brandenburg down to the bend of the Ohio River. He would take his wagon, the farmer from down in that fertile valley down there would bring his produce in to Brandenburg to be shipped out. And it would take him all two days, one day to come and one day to go back. Now you think about that. Took him all day to do that. We can get a plane here in four hours, a half a day. We can be in London, England. That's how this world of ours has shrunk, so to speak. And the tension of this world today is unbelievable. Now, dear friends, you've been with me long enough to know that I do not preach a scary religion. But only a fool would think that everything is well within the world. You know, no later than the time that I was in college, we used to talk about this world of ours being destroyed by fire. And there would be those people who were the smarter ones would laugh at such a thought and such a concept. But when we talk about it being destroyed by fire now, I notice that we don't laugh and neither do we contradict it because we know that even we who inhabit this world in all probability have brought together enough power within atomic energy that if it was all released, that every living human being and life upon the face of this earth would be completely and totally destroyed. And when we come to this type of a world in which we live today, what is our greatest hope? And I tell you, our greatest hope is a church. Our greatest hope is a church. It's not uh, for us to have a great standing army, and that in all probability we ought to do. It's not that we ought to create more atomic destructive power, perhaps that's what we ought to do, but our greatest hope is in the church. My greatest hope is in the church. The greatest hope of this world is in the church. It's not lodged anywhere else. It's in the church where it comes, you see. It is the church that has given to me the word of God. It came at a great price, and we accept it so casually today. What an awesome price she paid to give to us the Word of God. She has told me that I am of great value to God and helps me to walk with dignity and respect among my fellow creatures. It is a church that has told me about the Lord Jesus Christ until at last I could come to the place within my own heart and soul, being conscious enough of the fact that Christ is alive and that he is capable of saving me from my sins and preparing me for eternal life today. It's the church that's given that to me and to you. She has reminded me again and again that I am loved of the Lord Jesus Christ in a very special way. The church lifts her voice today in behalf of God and the freedom of man and before evil forces can really take this world over and rule today, the church must be disposed of. And this is what Solzhenitsyn was able to see in communist Russia. Before they could have their field day and bring uh, this atheistic concept of life uh, to power, 
They had to do away with the churches to, to be able to do it, and it's no different today. Before evil can rule the world, this church must be destroyed. And so we need to think today in terms of how we can strengthen our church. As the wheels of history turned in such a fashion that turns again to our day, as it was in the day of Martin Luther and John Wesley of long ago, well, we need to come again as a church to commit ourselves more perfectly to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. The battle draws near. And the evil forces are gathering, and we need to have a stronger church than we've ever had before. Well, how can we make our church strong? How can we bring our church and place it in the position where the Holy Spirit would be able to work through it to do all the things that God needs to do within our society today. I leave just two or three things with you to think about this morning as you go about your week's work. You need to think in terms of supporting her with your giving. With your giving. Support her with your giving. It's no time for us to cut back now. I don't care how bleak the future might look. It is a time for us to gather ourselves together and gird ourselves in such a way with the Holy Spirit that we come to the place to even to sacrifice in order that the church might be strong in our society today. Pray for those who are responsible for her leadership. Lift them up in prayer. Daily do it. And if you can't do it daily, do it when you think about it. And then present yourself to her as faithfully as you can at least every Sabbath day. Oh, dear friends, I understand something about the press of time. And the days are not long enough to get done all the things that you would like to do. And I know that you have just a certain amount, a lot of time that you can give here and there. But whatever you do for the sake of your own soul, your family, and for your church, remember the church. It doesn't make any difference if we have 12,000 people here upon the road, or 600, as we do have, or close to 700. If we do not remain faithful to our commitment and presenting ourselves before God on the Sabbath day, what good is it? It's meaningless. The number that we have on the record is meaningless until it comes to the place where it is expressed an actual commitment and dedication to God here on a Sunday morning. And let those of us who direct the programs of our church be able to, with wisdom and understanding, Cut from us the unprofitable things that we're involved in and institute in their place things that will bring us to the place of where we will be a greater instrument in the hand of God. And let us stop spending all of our effort and time with those perhaps that have been given an opportunity, not perhaps the wrong choice of words, with those who have been given an opportunity to walk with their God. And for some reason, best knowing to them, they do not choose to do so. Let us get on with the business then of doing what we need to do so the multitude of people out there that Christ is still speaking to and still longing for that have never heard yet and do not know and have not had an invitation to come and be part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us get on with the business of reaching them. If we are an army, it takes about half of us to take care of the other half that's supposed to be on the firing line. Come to the place where we are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Determined, determined, determined that we 
are going to be and do what God would have us to do this very day in his kingdom. Times gone by, the church gave her sons and her daughters to be fed to the lions, uh, to the fire, to be burned at the stake, to be de decapitated, and all of these other horrible things that happened to those who were committed and dedicated to God. Can we do any less today? Where is our commitment? And where is our dedication? Well, it's here. And we have the opportunity this morning to respond to God in a way that would be pleasing to him and helpful to the kingdom and to our community and to the world in which we live. You know, when I think about a commitment and a dedication to God, I think about uh, the historical fact that happened many years ago. And I remember as if it were only yesterday when I discovered the story in history when I was in college. And what an impact it made on my life. There was a man by the name of Leonidas and a man by the name of Xerxes. Now, Xerxes was the power of the world in his day. He had all the army. He had all the massive equipment that he needed to rule the world. And there was a place in the east of Greece that he needed to pass through in order to conquer the greater part of the known world at that day. Uh, but there was a group of men, 300 of them, led by one by the name of Leonidas, stood in that pass. And in that pass, in the eastern part of Greece, where the mountains come down to the sea, and it's only a room there for maybe just a truck to go through, maybe a little more, two trucks to go through at one time, just a road. And these men stood in the pass uh, here between the mountain and the sea to stop this great advancing army. And you, if you have read that part of history, you know that these men were betrayed. And they held to pass against this horde of people coming to conquer them. And Xerxes' army called out to Leonidas said, Surrender! We have so many arrows that when we shoot them into the air and throw our spears, uh, that will hide you from the sun. And you remember he hollered and called back to this mighty general, said, Very well then, and we'll fight in the shade if the sun is not shining. And you remember one betrayed him and led the Xerxes' army up over the mountain through a secret pass and down and behind them. But they fought until every man was killed. And Xerxes had such admiration and such respect for these 300 that fell there in the pass that he couldn't believe it was only 300 that held his mighty army at bay so long. And he buried them on the spot and raised a tombstone over them that read, Stranger, go tell in Sparta. Stranger, go tell in Sparta that these lie here in obedience to your command. And I have a feeling with them own heart and soul that is exactly the kind of commitment that God is looking for us today on our part in order that we might be able to be a match of this world in which we live today. Oh, our Father, help us to know who we are and what we are and what we've been called to be, and help us be true to the Scripture and let us stand, and after we have done all to stand, let us therefore stand, for we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.
Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.